How do everyone? <laughs> Look at it's all it's all kicking up. I'm just ignoring them wows and everything like that. I've I'm kind of fed up with it. I've I've took it off so many times and it always just bounces back up. But hello everyone, welcome to the Potty Mouth Garden Club. I am Tony C. Smith, and we have got a fantastic show today. Before that, don't forget our podcast. If you would be kind enough to go over there and subscribe, if you wonder who that is, kind enough that it's just the, the exact show, but just in audio format, so you can kind of go along and listen to that. And our Discord as well. We are, it's banging in there. Look at why is that? It's tooted in that one as well. I have no control. I have no control of them. Let me bring in our guest. There we are. And as you can see down there, we have Hannah. Hello, Hannah. Nice to have Hello. you back on. Now, I've just popped you on there, Hannah. I can see you are blading six degrees. So we were just talking before about this. We've like, it's our first frost. So, Hannah, what in your garden are you work? Because I know you work at track. Or we kind of had you on before and you kind of mentioned this. Would the frost hamper you anyways? Or is it, are you kind of just like seeing how it goes? Seeing how it goes at the minute, we've got a fleece ready to protect some things that might need it. But at the minute, everything's looking okay. Right. What? I never actually thought of that, Hannah. What, Hannah, what ha- would happen if Frost got trackall? Would you kind of think, oh, I got slipped up there? or Because the pressure's on you to, to, to not have that kind of frost damage. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, haven't, I do think of that quite often. Um, luckily, so far, it's been okay. Um, I haven't had any real disasters yet. But, I mean, with stuff like gardening, sometimes it's just out of your control, oh, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Mother Nature takes over. But so far, I've obviously taken the right precautions, but I haven't had a winter there yet. So what, what, um, what are you got in that could still get damaged because i know i've still got like um, a couple of like chili peppers which i'm just hanging on to in the polytunnel to get mm-hmm. kind of ripe and a few um beans but i was just thinking for for your restaurant i want what have you got that's so could... in the greenhouse i've still got a cucumber plant and um, right. a gherkin and um, because until about a week ago it was like 15 degrees and um, yeah during the day so I thought that it would probably be all right um, and it still had a few growing so I'll assess that tomorrow probably um but other than that I've got like beetroot and radish which I squeezed in to try and get an extra harvest sort of now time um and I squeeze in an extra lettuce harvest as well which I harvested the other day so I'm pleased about that or else they probably would have suffered you know what it is as well, Hannah? It's like, you, you kind of push it, don't you? You know what I mean? Like, God, it's like, just, oh, I'm sure. And then all of a sudden that kind of frost yeah. comes and it just kind of, oh, I am, you know what I mean? Kind of, huh? But cucumber, cucumbers in November, you know what I mean? Well done, well done. <laughs> Stephen, now I know, cockamouth, cockamouth must be getting cold over there, is it? Oh, you haven't got the weather up for me. I will have there what we got five. No, so you're, I'll walk five. you're a little bit kind of colder because you're more, even more inland, I guess, than what Hannah is. You know what I mean? So, yeah, a little bit probably. But yeah, but it's you, been cold. We didn't have a frost this morning. Nah, you no. didn't have the because I'm Hannah was saying well, we have as well on the coast. We've had like a brutal frost, and it's the first one where it's that's a that's a nasty one. Do you know what I mean? It was like yeah. we had like the kind of the wood fire burner on and the heating 
last night, you know what I mean? And I was I was so close to putting bed socks on. That's how cold it was, man. You know what I mean? So, so you have you yeah, had you, a, a really nasty one then, Steve? Not a really nasty one. We've had a few few grass frosts, um, and I think they were through the start of October, uh, and one very slight frost, so nothing really, yet, uh-huh. which surprises uh-huh. me because, uh, as a general rule, as you know, I'm really cold here in Cumbria. Oh, yeah. um, but we'll get hit soon enough, and then it'll go. It'll just go right down. Uh-huh. It's, speaking of someone who's had like a total brutal. <laughs> <laughs> you, yes. or you, Detroit's yeah. just been hit real hard, haven't you? What did you say? Yeah. Had, um, was it minus eight or something last night? Yeah, our lowest so far has been minus eight Celsius. Right. Yeah. Wow. So, and we're just we're just talking about oh, everyone can see that big bit of light coming in. It's like yeah. the it's like the moon. I'm it's going to look into it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's Bob. <laughs> yeah. So, talk. You must have missed then, Audrey, because I was—I'm sure I've seen in your kind of comments on the thing that have you missed your your elephant garlic planting? Then is that it? Is it gone? Finished? I haven't. Well, it's going to be a, like a, about the same temperature on Wednesday, so but our nights are going to be slightly warmer. So we're going to try to bang it in on Wednesday and see what happens. Right, right. And I understand if you put some sulfur uh, amendment with that, it will keep the garlic from rotting or uh, forming bacteria. Uh, so I'm going to give that a shot and see if that helps keep things alive because they sure won't be rooted quite yet. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> so, it's funny, Audrey, I've seen, I was, at the, I was at the garden just the day and I've seen just one, I don't know if it was a bigger bird, probably pulled out, but the, the garlic I put in two weeks ago has just got the kind of white roots coming out there. No green bit yet, you know what I mean? So... I'm sure they'll still be. But tame. that's good. You really want the. It's the white bits you really want oh, right yeah. now. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I forgot yeah. to mention as well. Don't forget, put a letter if you want a question by our esteemed guests to be answered. Hannah, Steve, or Audrey. I'll not do any kind of because I don't know much. But put a letter Q. <laughs> put a letter Q before your 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 question. Then I'll be able to kind of filter it down. So question Q, and then whatever you want to do, that would be fantastic. Right. Stephen, I'm going to come to you first there, sir, with a yeah, picture. Has, has gardening, right, vegetable gardening, have ornamental flowers like cabbage, like ornamental cabbages got any place in your heart like this? Um, I've grown them in the garden before now, not for five or six years or something, but when you put them next to... I don't know, let's say something like daffodils or iris or something, something with nice straight stems. It's a nice contrast. You've got that nice fluffy foliage and all that colour. What's wrong with that? Beautiful. So, yeah, um, it, to me, Steve, it's, it's, it's always been like, well, I, I guess the best way I can describe it is like fickle. It's not like serious for me. I don't know, you know what I mean? I don't know. Hannah, what do you think of like ornamental cabbages and, and that kind of growing? I've never tried, to be honest. Um, I've bought them in like bunches of flowers and stuff, and they look nice, but I've, n- I've never tried to grow them. That just doesn't, I don't know. Audrey, I don't think they really appeal to me. I was going to say, it's not, it's not my kind of thing. Audrey, is that something that appeals to you, like ornamental cabbages and, you know, that kind of colour? And... Well, I, I think they're very pretty, but 
even now, like all of my kale is laying over on its side because it's been so cold. Uh-huh. So I don't, I don't know that that would even help. It's nice to have color though at this time of year. Uh, but I, I've never done them. I mean, never. I don't know. To me, it just seems when I, it's like almost like ornamental, way too ornamental for me. I think that's kind of my problem with it's it. just another plant only that's all oh and yes you, don't, yeah, yeah and it's a bit like the right, right place they're, they're beautiful you know it's funny you know because we were at some i don't know what that might be like b&m bargains or somewhere like that over way, and i was going to do a quick little video because outside have you ever seen like the like the brightly colored heathers that are outside mm-hmm. like you know you know the yeah. ones like yellow blue and I and I was doing this little video for one of the kind of channels here, and I thought, ah. Oh. And then my wife comes, she says, "Oh, they're fantastic! They're so nice!" And I was like, "God, I don't. I think that's like ah." Oh. Says Melanie, no, no. She says, "Oh, I think they're lovely and sweet." So yeah, horses for courses, I think. It's where you put them, and it's what you put them with that matters. And you know, in in the wrong place, I mean. If you plant an apple tree amongst the bed of leeks, it's going to look a bit odd, isn't it? But we both like leeks. We all like leeks and we all like apple trees. So if you put them in the wrong situation, they're going to look a bit funny. But in the right place, they're great. In the right place. Right, Stephen. And actually, Hannah, because I, I know there's... Um, be, I'll tell you what, I'll just put myself on first and then we'll get a scene. Catherine Hobbs, Stephen and Hannah. For Steve, some time ago you made a video about setting up trays for microgreens. How did it go? Now, what I will do, I'll jump to Hannah first, because Hannah, you are the microgreen queen. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) I haven't actually seen your setup, but you said Trackall's got a lovely kind of almost over-the-top setup. So I guess now as well, this kind of time of year, microgreens are kind of your busiest part then is it am i right yeah definitely um now that it's sort of winter and the outdoors is limited um i am experimenting more upstairs with and what what um what have you what crops can you grow in microgreens yes literally anything honestly anything at all like you don't even have to use specifically microgreen seeds um you can use just seeds that you've got left over from like summer seasons or anything um at the minute i've got different varieties of radish mizuna mustard um we've grown quite a lot of herbs over the winter so dill coriander basil um mint which i'm having difficulty with actually right right and has microgreens just kind of come about from the track or do you do microgreens at home as well or Honestly, no. Um, I've never actually grown or tried to grow or knew anything about microgreens before, to be honest. Um, obviously, not a lot of people who I know who garden have really heard that much about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think more and more people are starting to talk about them now. Um, but yeah, it's so easy. Well, I know because we've just been kind of talking as well about Ian from Grown Local. He's kind of, I suppose, our messiah. You know, if you're the queen of... Yeah, the greens. Ian kind of, you know, he kind of, he's given me loads of crazy supplies, you know what I mean? So, and a big thank you for Ian as well. Steve mentioned as well, he kind of, Ian's behind the scenes making sure our kind of, you know, the comments are nice and, you know, and he's in there as Discord as well. So, but Steve, would you, are you doing microgreens this year in the winter, kind of keep your hand in or is it, are you kind of, oh, it's, it's not, um, not gardening? 
<laughs> no, it's all, all of it's gardening. It's just like growing a tray of seedlings, isn't it? I mean, last year I grew more than a, I grew this year. I've only grown two batches this year and I haven't eaten them all. I'm still struggling with certain parts of it uh, to get the system right for me. Uh, and I'm still persevering and trying to grow them without lights, which is the, the kind of the dumb way, really. If you're growing microgreens, you've got to grow them under lights, I think. Um, I will be growing some more through this winter, and I've got some smaller trays pretty much on their way to me, and I'm going to be growing them on the windowsill in the kitchen at home. So we'll see how that goes as well. So I'm still feeling me feeling me way around with them, really. That's a good point, you know, because I was pulling, I was not pulling Ian about it because it, bless him, Ian kindly sent some trays over. You know what I mean? And they're kind of they're a fair big old size there. And I was just they like, are, yeah. it's hard to kind. I know you. Yes, you can put a strip of like you know beetroot, a strip of this, a strip of that. But it's I think Audrey showed like a picture of like her little kind of setup, and it was a nice little tray of microgreens and I thought oh that would be yeah. that's what you know what I mean and then but Ian did say like well then you just don't use a normal tray but I like the thin trays I think that's is that what you use Hannah like these thin long trays and I've got yeah like, no and um, we're using sort of quarter of the size trays compared to the ones that um Ian sent right uh so it just depends but you can all you don't have to sort of harvest them at the same time so if you are using a big tray just harvest them as you need them i found that that can help as well um, and then you're not kind of like inundated with 80 grams of microgreens that you're uh, get through. <laughs> i bet you know i think we mentioned this on the last show as well though that like you see the restaurant track all must love that stuff because it's just such a nice little easy fix garnish to kind of sprinkle next to a steak or whatever you know what i mean whatever yeah, like that so um and they have this packed with so much flavor uh-huh. it's like quite surprising actually like how for like yeah. the size of them how much flavor they really have so is is the track all system what you're kind of looking at? is that a kind of bought in system or is it like a, a jerry rigged system where you've kind of no had... they basically bought the units in and um, you'll definitely have to come down and have a look but oh. um yeah so we've got like three units um with three trays and you kind of can fit about eight small trays four big trays in each and is it um, are they going on a, i'm interested in this like hannah is it like a rolling system so some are like nearly done so you've got some and then some are just getting yeah so i've kind of organized it so that i've got like all of the radish all of the mazina all of the you know so it's all sort of like organized in order so when one tray comes out another tray that's just been sown goes in so it's sort of like a little conveyor belt almost see that's what i'd feel miserably at that do you know what I mean? Everything would come at once and everything would be gone. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just organization skills, mine. It's like it's not uh it's not the right it's not good. Audrey, are you yeah. still are you still doing the, the microgreens, Audrey? Absolutely. This is a great time. Mm. Uh without having fresh greens coming in from outside. Uh and I grow mine on hemp mats uh in those shallow trays. Um what did you say? I was keep on meaning to ask you. What did you say, call them there? Hap mats. Hemp. H E M P. Oh, hemp. hemp. Right. Yes. Right. So there's no, and I grow them in my kitchen. So there's no dirt in the kitchen, which uh-huh. I prefer. And it helps with a little bit of the 
mildew that microgreens kind of have a bad name for. So is your, uh, have you got like a tree in a tree? So that's the water level tree. I, I yeah, I have uh, a big tray and then I have the microgreens on five by five inch hemp mats and I start them in a, another tray that has holes and now I can take them out of that and then they just fill up the uh, 10 by 20 tray. Right, right. Hannah, is that something? I'm, no, go I'm just going to ask Hannah, is that something how you do it, Hannah? Like a, a hemp mat or are you into the kind I of tried a few things like that so i tried like a cocoa mat like a clear mat which is pretty much the same sort of idea i think like reusable mats um but i kind of didn't stick with them i've kind of i just use um like clear blocks to be honest and with a little bit of vermiculite in but I would like to find a mat that i actually like that i could reuse because i found that they dried out really quickly I'm not sure if that was to do with like our watering system or something, but the mats didn't, the first time I tried the mat didn't really get away with them too much. So is your system then, does it carry the water as well, does it? Is it all singing and dancing? Yeah, so it's called ebb and flow um, system. So it's all on a timer um, and there's sort of like a water reservoir, like a tank underneath. Um, and the microgreens are watered for two minutes or, well, ours are, you can sort of set that yourself. I'm writing it um, down. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they're watered for two minutes in our setup for what um, every other day. Right. Um, and it sort of just fills the bottom. And then at the same time as it's sort of coming in, depending on the settings that you've got it on, just drains at the same time, just so they kind of never sat in water. Um and then the lights come on for 12 hours a day, so they come on at 12 noon and turn off at, like, midnight, all just based on the timer. Right, right. And what about heat then, Hannah? Where's the heat come from? So we've got sort of, like, an aircon system and fans and stuff, like, all in the room. Um, so we'll try to, like, control the environment by, like, keeping all the doors shut. There's no windows and stuff. So, so the big question is, what do you do? <laughs> It all sounds automatic, you know. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm just like the robot who sows the seeds. <laughs> has it? Have you had any failures there? Then I, I, I know that sounds. That's what. Yeah, what definitely. Um, I mean, when I first started, I'd never grown a microgreen before, like I said, um, and it was just sort of we're trying to get it really precise so that we can almost say we need exactly six grams of radish seeds to get the perfect crop. We need exactly however many grams of coriander to get the ideal sort of the optimum harvest. Right, right. Um, and then it was sort of playing around with watering and stuff as well. So I found that quite a lot of the time we were over watering them and they were going a bit mouldy. Um, so that kind of change in the water timing and stuff has, like it's really improved actually. It almost... They never dry out completely, but I've found that it's actually better for them to be a bit drier than them be saturated in water the right, whole time. Right. Oh, right, right. Um, I guess it's, it, you know, we're talking about like the, me with my obsession with coffee, and it's all about tinkering and getting the kind mm -hmm. of right levels and the right, yeah. you know what I mean? So I guess that's exactly... Do you know what I mean? And yeah, what you just like said there, like changes, isn't it? the optimum. And I quite like that faffing on, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? It kind of, like, see, I do with me coffee and I'm <laughs> so much faffing on with it. You know what I mean? I kind of just drink the coffee to a people, for God's sake. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Never. 
Yeah. Steve, is that <laughs> kind of, would you go to that kind of extreme doing microgreens or are you just, would you just like to kind of sow the seeds and harvest and not this kind of tinkering business? No, you've, you've definitely got to tinker with everything you're doing when you're gardening. You, you, you test the extremes, find out where you kill the plants, find out where they don't grow. And it's like a really interesting thing I do with um, sowing seeds in general is I'll always sow into wet compost and then I'll let that almost dry out and then I'll water it again. And it might be like six, seven days later. And I can guarantee if I get that bit right, within two days, the seedlings will be up. But that's just one of those things I found by tinkering. Mm-hmm. And it's the same same thing with microgreens. As as Ian's already said in the chat and, and Hannah's hinted at there, it, you can have them too wet and then you get mould. Well, I'm have, I've had mould on all of the microgreens I've grown at some stage. So you learn to, to soak them and take them mm-hmm. away from the water, let them drain mm-hmm. and let them carry on growing. And it's just finding that fine point of how dry the soil's got to be before you need to water it and getting getting a system going for yourself. Mm-hmm. But I always want to do mine without lights. That's my my thing that I want to do. And what, why is that? Because you, you don't like spending money on, on lights. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> pretty much. Uh-huh. No, because I, I think everything grows natural in natural light. Um, so I'll just find... A, the seeds that work for me without using artificial lights and, and a method and a way of doing it. It's just the way I've always done things, you know. I have got a light, as you know. I've got a very nice light, in it, but it's sat in the shed, still in the box, you know. <laughs> I, know I know it's sat in the shed, Stephen. Audrey, are you a tinkerer when it comes to the – have you just got that kind of off to a fine art there now so you know exactly – I thought I gardened in Disney World, don't I? <laughs> not now, not in Detroit now, mind you, with the – no, not now. Um, I, of course, you have to do that. There's a lot of suggestions for you know how many ounces or grams you need to start with. So you just kind of grow it a few times and see does that work for me or do I need to add less, more. Uh, once this uh, setup is done behind me, I'll grow the microgreens there and not even in my kitchen because I'll grow a whole lot more if I could put them on my shelving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so yeah, yeah. I was just gonna you. You mentioned or you we've talked about your trees seem to be like a nice tree. Like you say, I know that sounds a weird thing. You know, I was mentioning before, like Ian's trees are big, and I was even saying to him, "Can we not get like smaller trees?" Do you find you like a nice size, or are you quite happy with any size tree? Well, the our our uh, traditional size tray here in the states is ten inches by twenty inches. That's just right. standard. And then you can get 10 by 10s. But that's just kind of our just bottom line standard. There's always different size trays than that. I'm trying to think. But that's, that's a tray that I'm used to working with because those are my deep trays as well for starting seedlings and uh, anything that uh, has a, a little pot in it is all 10 by, it all works out for by 10 by 20s. So I'm just really used to that size. So, and I don't grow one kind of microgreen per 10 by 20 tray. I grow several kinds because I don't know that I could sustain a 10 by 20 of anything. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of microgreens. You know, if I was doing it for someone, that might be different. But uh, I like those little five by five pads that all fit in there 
so I can have all kinds of varieties going all the time. And you, where do you get your just last question in order? Where do you get your hemp, your hemp mats from? From garden supplies or? Uh, well, actually, Amazon now does sell them. Uh, the first place I did buy them was from True Leaf Market, which is a U.S. company, and they deal a lot in microgreens. So if nothing else, they're a great resource for you to, because they have so yeah. many uh, helpful articles, helpful how to get started. Um, and they sell a lot of microgreen seeds, which is nice because of the quantity. I mean, it's more about the quantity that you want. Mm-hmm. And so you want to somehow get a cheaper, you don't want to be buying those like a pack at a time. <laughs> you, you, want to, you know, you just want to get a nice. Well, when you nice, think, you know, when you think even the, <laughs> go back to the uh, Brad's Atomic Grape, the, the tomatoes, I think you get like, say, 10 to 15 seeds in a packet. Do you know what I mean? So right. you'll need, you know, I guess you need hundreds, hundreds, thousands of kind of the beetroot seeds or whatever to for microgreens. Right. So. Yes, you do. Yes. Uh, so it's nice to be able to get them from a purveyor that knows that and is happy to sell you mm-hmm. uh, a good quantity at a reasonable price. Yep. Yeah. Right then. Well, that- I also have I also have used my seeds that uh, I didn't use in the garden. Uh, so I've like put together a lot of brassica seeds and used those just as a general microgreen, mm-hmm. just so they don't uh, sit you know, sit around for years and, and lose their yeah. potency. So you can, you can sow anything. I'm sure, I'm sure you mentioned that as well, Hannah, you kind of just sow anything, you know, yeah. anything you've got. Yeah. We were, we were doing that last year, Tony, if you remember, with lettuce seeds, we were making up our own salad mixes for the trays. Absolutely. And doing the same sort Absolutely. of thing. So yep. it's using it all. I grow, yeah. I grow a lot of lettuces as microgreens, particularly this time of year. Yeah. And so you let them grow a little bigger, and uh, they're beautiful. It's it's strange how we're kind of now it's like microgreens are the, the in thing. You know what I mean? It's too cold to kind of grow, but we're still desperate to grow something. You know what I mean? So absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, the one most important thing, and the thing I picked up on, and I've never really seen it in like a, an official white paper, is the vitamin content of the microgreens. Uh, and it's rumored that it's sort of anywhere between 30 and 50 times the uh, vitamin content than it, its full-size cousin. So if you've got cabbage microgreens, they're 30, 50 times better for you than when it's fully grown. Right. I don't know if that's official, but that's what I've read in more than one or two places. Mine, that's, that's a quite... That's, yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. That would make folks want to grow them if they knew that. Yes. You know, when you kind of, yeah. It's a kind of real kind of buzz. I didn't know that, to be honest, Steve. So, wow, get in. Microgreens. Don't I like get a wow or a genius for that? <laughs> <laughs> Go on, then. Go on. <laughs> Actually, every, you've all wait, got that wait, one there. you all got that one. Wait, wait. Oh, I'm sharing it. Oh, right. <laughs> so, I'm going to mm-hmm. ask... Um, just, I thought it'd be nice to talk about, you know, like next year as well, potatoes. And I was just wondering what varieties people would want to grow. And I was hoping our guests would kind of tell a, a favourite or an early or something like that, what they would grow. And I was going to go to Stephen first and ask him, what potatoes, Stephen, can you recommend? Do you enjoy growing? <coughs> 
not that one. Not um, that one. No. Uh, my first one would be uh, the early potatoes, and it's international kidney. Now, it's the same variety as the Jersey Royal that every sort of person in England knows about. Fantastic potato. The great thing about that is that it's an early main crop, actually. But if you grow it as a first early, you will get lovely new potatoes in sort of the end of June, beginning of July. And what you don't eat there, you can let to carry on and get decent-sized potatoes that taste exactly the same. So that would be my first early. Second early, I've kind of got two choices. Uh, the first one is, if I was recommending it to a newcomer, I would say Kestrel because they're a brilliant all-round potato, and they've got little blue patches. And I believe they're sort of descended from Cara, which is another really nice potato. But definitely, I now grow the Charlottes, because I can't resist them. They're so blinking nice. And for main crop, there's only one plate, only one potato, and that would have to be King Edward, king of potatoes. And there's no other potato that will roast like it. I have to have them every year. Right. I was going to ask, ask you, Steve, there about, like, say, because it's main crops. I think we're all kind of got a little bit of kind of a favourite. you know what I mean? I kind of like the pink fur, pink fur apple ones and that. So yes. King Edwards is, is your kind of, and has that been, like, passed down from, like, Grandad, has it, or? It's been passed down from the area that we lived in. I mean, um, I always had potatoes from my granddad when he was growing them in the back garden, but... <laughs> There were small amounts. If we used to go to the local greengrocers to buy them, they had two types of potato. You had your ones which were for standard use, and they were just called Irish whites. And then you had the premium potato, which was the King Edward. Right, right. <laughs> and, and that was all we had back then because it was seasonal, and they were all mucky, you know, straight out the field, straight into the hopper in the greengrocers. And is but yeah, King Edward's. Is King Edward a good chip potato? Just you know what I mean? Because yes. we all like with yes. chips there. So yes, yes. Oh yeah. So why? And I think I know the answer there. But why is the the, the kidney ones? There's, there's some sort of you can't name international kidney. Am I right there? Thinking because Jersey's got their name stamped on it, although it's the same potato. Is that something to do like that? That, that? You can't... I don't know. I haven't heard that. I know the variety is international kidney, and I know that Jersey, that's the variety that Jersey grow, and they call it the Jersey Royal because they get it in the shops before anybody else. Um, but their potatoes taste different because, whereas the rest of the country here, we all use manures or fertilisers or compost to grow them. In, in Jersey, they use seaweed, and it's almost exclusively seaweed is their fertilizer mm -hmm. because they're an island so they've got plenty of it so mm -hmm. but that's how they've always done theirs i don't think i've actually grown them ones you know Stephen. um like jersey oh, ones. Uh, oh, they're fantastic well, it's, it's funny because i'm i'm a, i think i'm as well a bit of a stick in the mud like I, the ones i like which is charlotte don't get wrong charlotte's like the ones but then it's like see a pink fur apples or and i've tried other ones, but I always seem to kind of revert back, and I don't know if that's just kind of the way I familiarity. am. Familiarity. Yeah, yeah. It's familiarity, it's simple as uh, that. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, Audrey, what about potatoes for you? Then Have you got, like, a favourite potato? Or? Uh, well, yeah, I was actually just pulling up my order, so because I thought, you're going to ask Pardon? me about this. Because <laughs> uh, I'm growing a lot more than I usually do uh, next year, uh, probably a little bit for YouTube. Uh, 
So let me view my order. So I have, oh goodness, it's not showing it to me now. One second. That's all right. If not, if not, I will just come up with that at the top of my head, uh, which I will do now because I can't see it. So I am growing a Yukon Gem, which is a smaller, a little bit more prolific uh, Yukon Gold. Uh, nice. I'm growing Kennebex, yes. which are white, uh, lovely potato, a, a Purple Viking, which uh, is probably our favorite, uh, kind of a mottled pink, purple skin, but nice white flesh inside. I'm growing red sheep, chieftain, chieftain, chieftain. Yeah, it's not a sheep. It's a chief. Uh, and those are red skins. Those are earlies. And there's one more. Oh, German butterball. Right. I haven't. Uh, <laughs> there's not many of them I've heard, to be honest. To be honest. Um, yeah, well, we're, you know, across the pond here. Uh-huh. So. I wonder if like the, the same potato, but just different. I know. Game. I do wonder that. Like, how many are similar, uh-huh. or at least incredibly similar? So, have uh, you got just out of curiosity, or have you heard of pink fur apples or, or charlotte's? I, or I can get. Pink, I can pink get Edwards? fur. I can get pink fur here. I've had many uh, of my UK gardening friends suggest I grow King Edwards. I cannot get those here uh, wow. that I'm aware of. Um. And what was the other one? You had mentioned another Charlotte's. one. Charlotte's. Charlotte's. I mean, I've heard of them, but I've never, uh-huh. I can't get wow. those here either, as far as I know. But for all I know, that's what German butterball is here. You, you never know. Uh-huh. You never know. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. I did grow, Audrey. I did grow the, and I wasn't, maybe down to me, but I did the Yukon Gold. Was it last year or the year before? And it was. Yeah. It was hard to source them over here, but I got, you know, there was like a kind of heritage, what we call like heritage kind of potato grow I got them from. But they just, I don't know, straight away next year I went back to me, me Lord Steve was in the usual kind of safe kind of crops, you know what I mean? So, sure. Uh, and for uh, for us here, I think Yukon Gold would probably be one of those. Uh-huh. But this, this Yukon Gem is more disease resistant and a little bit more prolific. Right. So, yeah. Well, that's what I, I think, Audrey, that's what kind of, there wasn't that many of them. They were a nice size, don't get us wrong at all. You know yeah. what I mean? Maybe I should have tried the, the Yukon gem. Well, and sometimes when they're heritage varieties, they're, uh, they don't produce as much. It's mm-hmm. like tomatoes. Mm-hmm. If it's a heritage tomato, you're not going to get as many as a nice F1 that's being produced. I mean, it's been bred to produce more fruit. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like some of the older varieties of potatoes will be the same way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hannah, is is potatoes is chips on the menu at track all? Is are the potatoes like a, a kind of you need to grow them? Do you know what I mean? Is or do you just grow them for yourself or? Uh, both actually, yeah. Um, we grow them in big containers down at track all. Um, and I grow them on the allotment in containers and in my gardening containers. I've actually had quite a surprisingly success with the containers, actually. Right, right. Um, I thought that there maybe wouldn't be as many potatoes in or there would be smaller, but in years previous, they've actually been pretty good. What is, just out of curiosity, what did Trackhold 
um, recommend a certain potato? Do they or will left to you to kind of? No, not really. Just sort of the chefs are just kind of happy with whatever varieties they get. Really, and uh-huh. um, it's just really really seasonal. So. I do stick with varieties like Caran, Kestrel, um, and Swift as well. I don't know if you've tried those yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, I, I do like those ones. Right. Oh, well, it's, it's always nice to. So, if we're coming to Tragol, we could have new potatoes. There would be new potatoes that would be grown by by yourself, yours truly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Depends what they do with them. <laughs> Right, we've got a question here. Let's just jump back into questions. John Deegan is asking, which is a kind of nice overall question there, John. Hi, from John from Scotland. What can I grow next year? Now, I know that's kind of a simplified question, but Stephen, is there anything you can recommend for John to grow next year? It's sounding maybe John's kind of just getting in the garden or maybe trying something new. I think you misread that. He says, what can I grow yeah. now for next year? All right, well, there you go. There we go. Give us something. Well, uh, <laughs> you can try all of the oriental mustards, so mustards, mazunas, pak choys. Uh, try some winter hardy lettuce, easy enough to find if you just do a quick Google search, and you can sow all those now. Um, just try and protect them if you if you are growing them now, and you'll get some crops from them at some stage. But- well, it's funny, I've got, um, I did my kind of lettuce, I don't know, maybe say a month and a half ago, but... You know, we've had this nasty frost there, but I went up the day just to have a look at the garden. And it's, the, the, to be honest, everything that I've got in, even if it's some outside, there's some inside, it's all doing well. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But the stuff in the tunnel is doing way, way better now. You know, now you can see the benefit of a polytunnel compared to the outside. Oh, gosh, yeah. It's it's, it's massive. Massive mm-hmm. it is. Because you kind of think, well, it's, it's more nice. What Hannah was saying, Ed, will be like mild and it's been lovely temperatures. But... When you look at the like the me lettuces now in the polytunnel like that, to like yeah. outside, do you know what I mean? There's, there's a certain difference there. So yeah, Hannah, what would you? What is there anything you would like recommend for growing now, or maybe like early spring? Yeah, so maybe it might not be too late to start some broad beans now if you do them inside or in a greenhouse or sweet peas. Maybe again, you're maybe pushing it a little bit, but. Provided that they don't get too, because seedlings don't really like being damp and too wet, do they? And too cold. But if you start yeah. them off inside, broad beans would probably be all right this time of year for an early harvest in spring, uh, summer. I think you. I think I, I, I guess you are. You must be, or we must be so close to kind of just that nearly. Yeah. You know, you're nearly. You better be quick. Get them in the kind of this week. Do you mean it's mm-hmm. like mine? Have just now. I, I probably. So would mine about three weeks ago, and they're just starting to kind of come up there now, my broad beans. So mm-hmm. you are thinking about kind of broad beans, you know what I mean? you you got to be quick this Get week. Get them in. Get them in. Yeah. Get them in. <laughs> Audrey, is anything in Detroit minus 14 that you'll be so... <laughs> <laughs> what can you microgreens inside your house. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Nothing else, just microgreens in a nice kind of temperature. Yeah, because right, I can't right. start anything right now. Let me just pull up there. Julie on allotment 13 is asking, onions are showing, garlic has just broken the surface, but the shallots are being shy. Would you sow another batch? All uh, all went in the same time-ish. So shallots are being a bit, a bit shy. Stephen, is that something that kind of 
to worry about, or would you sew another batch of like shallots? Everything else is starting to kind of trickle up. I think the first first thing to do is to establish what's happened to the batch that's in. I'm assuming she's sewn them from sets, and I would just go and dig one or two up and see what's happening. If they've got white roots coming out the bottom, put them back in. They're getting on with it, but they're just being a bit slow. Last year, the first of my garlic, my normal garlic, I didn't see any signs of it above ground until literally the day after New Year's Day, which was quite late, really. Normally, you see it before Christmas. So these dates and times can sometimes vary. But first, before you decide to sow another batch, see what's happening to the ones you've already got in the ground. It's worth sabotaging and losing one or two to find out if it's rotted. It's funny, Steve, you mentioned there because my elephant garlic's come through all that. Yeah. You know, and you, like you see, it's an inch. You can just kind of see it, but nothing of the garlic. There's a couple in the hut, in the sorry, in the polytunnel that's kind of come through because that's yeah. kind of like a little closeted area. But outside, nothing's. So when did what did you see there? When did you see your? Was it like New Year? It was yeah. It was probably about the second of January that I noticed the first signs of them. And then literally within two weeks, they were all sort of three, four inches out the ground. And you had and they, a... They came, came on really well. A cracking crop as well, didn't you? Mama? Yeah, they did really well this year. Both my elephant garlic and my normal garlic, they were, they were all stunning. And the funny thing about that was all the smaller cloves that we normally throw away at planting time, I planted all those and they all came up the same size, big. It all came up big, which shocked me, really. Because it's funny that because you you, you go through kind of like almost like religious, like little ones, leave them to the last, don't bother with them, really plant your big ones. And you've proven the kind of, that's really not the case and you can plant away all your teeny little things. (laughs) The funny thing is that probably for the next five years, doing exactly the same thing, it's probably never going to work again. (laughs) But this year it did, so I was really, really pleased, and that was really interesting this year. Hannah, have you got, have you planted anything like that for, I I like keeping asking for track all, but for yourself as well, have you planted your garlic now, and will they use garlic? Yeah, um, to be honest, that's kind of all I've got in at my own allotment at the minute. Garlic, onions and shallots sort of in the raised beds. Um, and in trackall would have pretty much garlic and onions in every bed, just sort of interplanted between everything. Um, I would have thought trackall would just use as much garlic as you could probably throw at them. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. your little garden, probably your garden there is not going to be... So you know what I mean? Like it must be a, like almost every player that goes out has got a little touch of garlic mm-hmm. in there somewhere. So is that a, a big staple for them? Like the, the garlic and the onions and the shallots? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think in the summer I've harvested about 300 right. um, garlic, about pretty much similar across the board for garlic and onions. Um, we just packed the 13 beds full. Uh, just to get as much as we can, really. And have they all gone? Have they all been used? <laughs> yeah. Um, dried them all out upstairs and then took them straight down to the kitchen and then just I reckon, yeah, by now they would be uh, gone, yeah. Now, I know Audrey would be kind of laughing at you not being able to get your elephant garlic and hopefully you will, but have you seen, like, say, is, have you got shallots in? Have they kind of poked their heads oh. up? Have you missed I do not. I do not overwinter onions. Right. 
because I'm going to try that. I think next year I read an article on a certain one that I could maybe try. So I'm going to. Uh, but I plant those all in the spring. I did grow some gray shallots last year, which are apparently the the only true shallot. Right. Or shallot, as we would say. <laughs> um, uh, and they were they were horrible. They did nothing uh, lovely for me at all. So this year I'm going to grow some, I don't know, not traditional shallots, but ones that I've seen. So, yeah, so, I, haven't, I haven't heard of gray shallots. Did, they, don't sound appeal, they don't sound appealing anyways. They're supposed to be coveted by chefs world over. So that's why I bought some. And you can only get them when you plant a gray shallot. Right. So I brought in a bunch and... They did nothing for me. In 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 looks or in flavor, Audrey? In growing. Oh, right. They were right. like, they looked like green onions. <laughs> and right. I thought, what is all the, yeah, so no, I'm going to plant some Zabrun or some long of, yes. long of yes. Tropea or something. I think that was one I got. Well, it's so. Well, Steve had a cracking with with the Zabrun, like the banana shallots, but I mean, yes. mine was just for field. I saw Steve's and I thought, oh, that's it. I'm trying those. I think that variety you were trying was the uh, the old French variety, Echelots, beginning with an E. Uh, that's the okay. old. They're the ones that the, the chefs cover as such. Being an yes, I, I can't understand why. I'm thinking, well, I grew them. I mean, they were on. They were. They had great growing conditions, so I'm not yeah. sure why they were so poorly. Would but would they, they not benefit from? And, and yours is kind of like a quintessentially kind of weird climate. You know what I mean? You're getting a minus fifteen, so I don't think any plant would benefit from getting planted early there. But would that not have helped if you could have like planted it earlier and maybe covered them. it? I did, plant, I did plant them in the fall, right? Because that's when they were supposed to be planted, right? So we did. But they amounted mm. to just about nothing. So, so it was a this fail, time, it was a fail from Audrey. <laughs> it was a fail. It was a big fail. So uh, I will try the other type of shallots that are shallots. I'm sorry, I cannot say shallot. I can't. <laughs> I have to say shallot. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try more uh, different varieties. This, this see, this I know, spring. like I know, like if Steve had failed. Steve would want to beat like a bit like the Chinese cabbage. Do you know what I mean? Do you, oh, not, no. do you not want to go back and try and? I do not. I was so <laughs> unimpressed with them. You know, it's sometimes when you think, okay, it's a challenge. Now, I don't feel that with these. Right. Uh, I know how to grow onions. I know how to grow garlic. Like, I have grown sh- shallots in the past. I, this was just a variety. And I thought, you know, Maybe it likes the French countryside to grow in and not the blazing heat of Detroit. I don't know. So, yeah, I, I feel no need to beat that one. So There are Steve, other things. Is, is gray onions the same, the actual same onion what you've been talking about there, is it? I don't know. I've never heard them being called a gray onion um, before or gray shall- shallot or shallot. I've never heard them called that. But I know the ones that the, the chefs go after is the echelot. They, they're, well, it's actually echelot grease, I think they call it. That's the full name. Yes, Grisel. Yes, that's it. That is it. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that so, was the one. They're the ones we used to use in, in 
back in the kitchens when I was back in there. Uh-huh. When that when it was all just gas powered, no electric. Wait, wood. <laughs> wood fires. <laughs> <Wood and> coal. <laughs> right, but Stephen. I think since I'm not since I'm not working with Gordon Ramsay, I could, you know, just grow as a broom and be fine. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I do. No, yeah. I don't bother with the echelons. Yeah, so I'm I'm fine with that. What was the flavour like then, Steve? Is there a certain flavour to them or? Well, I mean, they were a shallot. They were a sweet uh, thing, but back then there wasn't much choice. There wasn't many other shallots. There was one or two, but they tended to be round. The thing with the echelons is they were big, and you could you could cut them open, prepare them, and you had a lot of value for for what you had. Nice, sweet tasting onion. So, are there, are there similar in it a banana shallot? Are there that kind yes. of style? Right, yes. right, I'm with you there. Yes, yeah, same sort of shape, yeah. So, Hannah, what, what shallots have you got in then? I couldn't even tell you the variety. <laughs> I literally just bought loads of them from um, Wilkinson's and ordered them from Thomas and Morgan. Right. Um, Onions and stuff, we've got like white Lisbon onions. And to be honest, I don't really, I've never really grown shallots before, like even for myself. This year I've got some in at the allotment, um, but it's just like two rows of them. I usually just stick to onions and garlic. I'm not sure why. Well, it's funny, like these, what would like, or the banana shallots that I'm kind of used to, it's like this year I feel totally miserable with them. But last year I had a, a, a nice batch and it's like, they're not shallots as you know, like where one, Bulb splits in the many. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like one big bulb. And it's almost, well, Steve's this year were, it, it was an onion. Massive. You know what I mean? It was massive. like it classic was as a the onion. You know what I mean? So they had, a, um, yeah, there was, I'm sure there was some cheating going on somewhere. I, I, I can't find it. There was, I need to get the bottom of it. You know what I mean? There was some uh, <laughs> skullduggery going on. <laughs> Stephen, I've got a question. I've got a question here for you, sir. About um, grapevines and polytunnels. I have, this is marvellous Dave Warren, I have a 3 by 4 metre polytunnel and want to grow a grapevine. Will it affect tomato plants? I live in the northwest of Cumbria. Stephen, that's right up your street there and your area as well. He's probably just around the corner from me. Um, no, I don't think it will. The only thing you've got to watch for is where you're actually growing it because... Once a grapevine's growing, you're forever cutting it back. Uh, they grow like stink in the summer. Uh, so you've got to watch out for the canopy above above the tomato plants, so to speak, so you don't block out the sun. But otherwise, no, not really. And your grapevines should be planted on the edge of your polytunnel anyway, which should be well away from where you've planted your tomatoes. Is Are you in some way, Steve, because I'll keep on seeing your... The amount and the crops and that. Are you sometimes wishing it's like wasn't as good and as vigorous because it seems like it takes over, and it would yes. certainly <laughs> take over. Are you? Do you ever consider like think oh, I'm going to scrap this? Well, to be honest with you, the variety I've got is far more prolific than I thought it was going to be. I based everything that I sort of planned with growing a grapevine. I based on what I saw as a kid with my granddad and the gardeners at the at the local park, what they were doing in the glass house there. And, of course, back then, those varieties wouldn't have been so uh, so fruitious, if you like, for want of a better word. But this one's just kind of taken over and has blown me away with all the fruit. 
Next year, I'll prune it out a lot better and a lot tighter. Mm-hmm. There'll be less fruit. They'll all ripen better. The whole thing, the whole system will be better because I've learned by it. So that's the thing. I mean, I've seen like your pictures, Steve, and there was just like boxes after boxes of like, know. you know, like Mad. bunches of grapes and bunches of grapes. And what actually, what did the taste like, Steve? Were the the beautiful, oh, really right. beautiful. Well, again, the thing was because there were so many on the vine, they didn't all ripen. There was just too much there for the plant to cope with. Right. And too too much. They were shading themselves out as well. So I've got to let more air in there to stop. Because the year before, I had a lot of uh, mould within them. Um, so I've got to let more air in to stop the mould, let more light in to encourage ripening, and I've got to thin them out so they don't shade each other out. But I say, these are the things you learn as you go on with these things that must be that must be quite a hard thing because it's almost like you know from say my point of view i say hannah's already it's like thinning out tomato vines it's like i, I couldn't do that you know what i mean so when you're thinning out have you got actually thin out Cut the bunches yeah a bunch absolutely right wow that well, must be a hard thing to do you know what i mean when you're thinking God, I'm... it was this year because i did it late but next year i'll do it much earlier when the bunches are only sort uh-huh. of this big and the grapes that are on the bunches resemble a pinhead. Yeah. So it'll be just like taking a couple of dead flowers off. Well, I'm kind of used to anything like that, to be honest, like thinning carrots. I mean, I'm, you mentioned it, Stephen, it, it hit the nail right on the head where I keep on thinning and then I end up thinning too much. Do you know what I mean? And <laughs> so sometimes it's easier for me not to thin. Do you know what I mean? So, so Steve, did you have a, um, a grape squishing party? <laughs> no, well, to be honest with you, uh, quite a bit of them uh, ended up as chicken feed on the allotments because they just weren't ripening um, okay. and kind of missed the window to to get them to ripen. We did eat a lot and we did juice a lot and drink a lot, uh, but we had far well, too Well, that would make a great video, though, Steve, with your, you know, your trousers. Great swishing. Up your knees. <laughs> <laughs> leave my trousers out of this. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, you know, once, like, because we've been talking with GAB about, you know, like ripening chilies and that, is there, a, yeah. w- once they're, they're cut off the vine, is that it? The don't ripen grapes, or will they ripen, you know, like these kind of old wives' tales where you put like banana skins with tomatoes and stuff like that? Will they ripen like that, or? They probably would do, but you've got to bear in mind that each crate I had was probably 50 pound of grapes. Uh-huh. Just not enough bananas in Tesco's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's fab, God. Like uh, I see, I seen, the, I seen the, the pictures, and it was just like, man, there was just like, how prolific is yeah. that kind of one plant to kind of grow all that, man? See, even were... on that, even on that vine, next year I'll only have one bunch every twelve inches. That's the plan for next year. Right. But even even with that, I'm still going to have probably fifty odd. Bunches uh-huh. of grapes. That's fifty bunches of grapes. That's a lot. Uh-huh. Just on that one vine. So, and the grapes because I've never grown. I remember my granddad actually grew grapes, but I can't remember. Do grapes come all at the same time, or can you stagger it somehow and get like a ripe bunch first? Or, um, well, if you grow different varieties, you can do that and uh, grow early and late season. But I don't think you can hold them back on a vine. I don't think you, you take them as they're ripe. I mean, but, the ideal the ideal is, is to get in and actually prune each bunch of grapes. So whereas you'll get sort of two or three big ones, 
there's always two or three little tiny ones. The idea is to take them away and then the water and the ripening all goes to the big grapes so you get bigger, juicier, right. riper grapes. I couldn't be bothered with that, mind you. <laughs> you and might do you ever... if you tasted a bunch of oh, them. I bet, I bet. I, uh, uh, and have you ever grown grapes? I haven't um, dabbled in it. I haven't, um, but we have got a patio variety grape planted in the greenhouse at Trackall. Um, it literally just went in in the summer, and it's grown loads already, but haven't had any grapes on it yet. Well, I'm sure, so Stephen, if you want any, any tips from... <laughs> The, the 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 guru of the grape <laughs> the grape guru <laughs> we have hit the hour already man, oh, man, man, man. tips of the week audrey have you got your tip of the week well this is a wonderful tip for those who live near detroit harvest your carrots before the ground freezes <laughs> <laughs> hey <laughs> So are they stuck in there now then, Audrey, are they? Well, they're in grow bags. So I'm going to see if I can get my husband to uh, drag them into the garage. And let's see if we can heat them up just enough to get the carrots out. But yeah, <laughs> but I'm thinking I have five bags of potatoes out there too. So I may have just missed my whole window. Would, uh, a, would, a, would a hard frost actually damage a carrot, Audrey? Do you know what I mean? If if it was in a bag, kind of protected a little bit by compost. I know, you know, your kind of temperatures are way, way, way higher than... We, we just haven't had frost. We have had deep freezes at this per, point. Permafrost. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a, little, I'm a little concerned about what those might look like, but... I'm going to see if I can get him to do that. Maybe we'll even put a little heater on, just kind of get the dirt warmed up a bit and see if we can get them out. Mm-hmm. What about your potatoes then? Do you think you've lost your potatoes or do you think they... I hope not, but, you know, we'll you... see. And if, uh-huh. yeah, I don't know what happens when you freeze a potato. You've been I just really... guess you have to cook it right away. Uh-huh. It seems like it's like... This frost has caught you off guard a little bit. We were 70 degrees, which in your world is 20 mm-hmm. last Thursday. <laughs> and our temperature last night was minus 18. Okay. I mean, did you notice all these like tell, actually telling me off as if it's like I'm the weatherman and it's my fault? We were, tw- listen, I'm telling you, we were 20. We were bloody 20. <laughs> so we were lulled into this wow, we're having a beautiful warm fall. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Here comes old man winter. Well, that's and- just like you say with Tona Hannah there, just sometimes it'll just catch you out. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. kind of. And you oh. should know, Audrey, you should know better. You know, <laughs> you're <laughs> correct. You are, you are absolutely correct. I should know better. And I was riding the warm wave. That's exactly, yeah. I mean, even I left all the, our pumpkins out because <clears throat> I use them for decorations for fall and Halloween and all that. So here we are dragging pumpkins in. At, you know, a night that's going down to 15 or something. And I'm like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last week, we were at, we had sleeveless shirts on. And that's so, it. That's it. I guess that's it now, Audrey, is it? It's, it's, it's... Oh, we're done for now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. April. Even if it warms up a wee bit, it's not going to warm up uh-huh. enough. Yeah, we're done. Are we, to- are, we, are we talking April, possibly, before 
you get back into the garden or can you sneak in a bit earlier? No, I, I'm going to really uh, not trust my gut and trust charts that tell me certain things can be put in way before I think they should be. I'm going to, I'm going to just try that all this year. Mm-hmm. So it, we should apparently be able to easily plant in March. Audrey, the data, uh, the data doesn't lie, Audrey. The data doesn't lie. Well, it, I don't know, think it does, but I always mistrust it, and I get stuck a little late. So I'm going to try this you, year. Can you not Put warm it, your soil up with black plastic? We do that sometimes here. Put black plastic sheet down to help warm the soil up in the early spring. Well, that's a good idea. Uh, yeah, we don't. But does, I could try that for sure. Does it make? Yeah, it might be worthwhile. Steve, is it? Is it? I know that's kind of. I I hear this story of putting black. I've never done it. Does it make that much of a difference? Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, black attracts the sunlight during the day. Generally, when you've got frosty nights, it's because the sky's clear, which means you've got sunshine. The black attracts the sunshine and then traps it in the soil. It'll only trap it in the first inch, but the next day it'll go an inch and a half, and the day after two inches. So it's worth doing. You know what? You know. He didn't even ask for that one. He didn't, that's not even. That's not I even. Not Honestly, <laughs> my, my big concern is we get such cold nights, and yeah. it's windy in the spring because you know it's spreading all those seeds that are in the bushes and. So I worry about the cold nights too. So I do fleece a bit in the spring, but if I'm going to really stick to my guns this year, we're going to be doing a lot of fleecing and black plasticking. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The, the data, it's all there in the data. Audrey. I know. Yes, yes, yes. Hannah, have you got a tip of the week for us, please? Yeah, just with talking about things to get planted this time of year. So now's near in the end of the time you can put your flower bulbs in um sort of november december time so get your flower bulbs whacked in for some color at the beginning of next year like crocus and snowdrops should pop up even january time really i have just been over to my mother's hannah today and did all her tulip bulbs and i've got actually a load a brought over a load as well because my mother just Someone to order way too many, so I've got a, a big kilogram bag of well, more than a kilogram, probably five kilogram bag of bloody tulip bulbs there. So nice tip there, get them in there. I've still got somewhere there. Look, I've had them snowdrops for ages. We'll go snowdrops there. How much for them? Four pounds for them bloody things. And I don't wow. need to get that. I don't know if there's that many. Wow. Would you pay four pounds, Stephen, for a few bulbs? Yeah, of course I would. Of course I would. You can plant tulips all the way up until January as well. You can one of the bulbs you can plant really quite late and get away with it. I'm not sure what these what the varieties that I've left them in the bloody car, to be honest, but Hannah, that was I was doing exactly that. I was planting my mother's yeah. bulbs there. <laughs> Stephen, we come to you who's who's top of the class there with his little genius tip there before he even got to his tip. What is your tip of the week, sir? The tip of the week is I haven't got one this week. <laughs> I haven't got one <laughs> simply because there's not much gardening going on at the minute. But the thing I will say, which I think is important, is to do some homework, do some research, 
pick a subject in gardening, go and research it online and learn about it. I've just put a video out about green manures and I've told people in that video to go and research the different green manures to find out what each one will do and how you grow it and how you maintain it. It's not important to learn it parrot fashion so that you know every single one, but if you know what a green manure will do, do for you, then when a problem arises on your plot or you need to address some feed problem on your plot, you think, ah, I remember there's a green manure that might be able to help. Then you can go off and search for it. And it's part of your gardener's toolkit. Mm -hmm. Well, there we go. So not a tip, but really a tip. No, no. Are you, Steve, are you finding that? Because I'm not, I must admit, at the moment, oh, we've had a few th few issues now, but I'm not going up as much to the allotment. Are you still going up every day for a couple of hours there, lad? Well, I haven't been this morning because our drain was blocked this morning, so I was up to my shoulder. Oh. Then with me hand down the drain <laughs> this morning, but yeah, uh, it was freezing cold as well. Ah, uh, yeah, it was fairly nippy. Yeah. So <laughs> are you still, are you still going? Are you still going up though? Are you still trying to get? I'm up still up? going. I'm going. I'm going in the morning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Still getting up there, right? Well, well, listen, you three there. Thank you very much. Tips have been fantastic, and I think I just give you oh, one more thing. Oh, right, no, he's looking. One more thing. I was just thinking, um, Hannah, have you tried garlic chives as a microgreen? Would that work? Yeah, we've just started doing that actually. Um, garlic chives and thick chives, and I think it's called a medium chive. I think. Um, right. Just tried a whole bunch of them. It's a bit trial and error at the minute because I'm finding. The seeds are so fine that they're really prone to clumping together, which can kind of cause a bit right. of germination problem. But yeah, we'll give microgreens, uh, micro tribes a go, and they smell amazing. Uh, brilliant. It just dawned on me when you were talking about you couldn't grow enough garlic for your chefs. I thought, well, mm -hmm. garlic chives is something you could grow year round in your microgreens if they were. Yeah, Probably in a bit to help with that. And anyway, would they, Steve? Would that? Can you could you kind of substitute that for garlic? You can to a degree. You're putting in another allium flavour. Uh -huh. you know, I've spoken to you about this before. All your different types, they're all they're all different allium flavours. And if you want that kick in your meal, this is just another way to get it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'll have to, Hannah. I'll have to come down with my little camera there, and we'll get mic'd up. Yeah, we'll have a little look around your, your kind of your micro green setup there. It'd be nice to because I've got ebb and flow. I'm gonna kind of check them out there now. See the super duper <laughs> micro greens. Black oh. Friday, get it on Black Friday. There you yes. go. Yes, oh, yes, I know. I know. I, I, I dare to spend any more. Dare to spend any more. Listen, you three, thank you so much for coming on, everybody. Thank You're you. Welcome. It's been fantastic. Don't forget. Go over and subscribe to our channel there. That will be fantastic. And listen on, on if you want to listen later on in the time as well. And we have the secrets behind the shed. This is where we've kind of been chatting before we actually come on air as well. And we'll have a little chat now as well. So take good care, everyone. Look after yourselves. Thank you so much. We will see Cheers, everyone. you here have next week. Doodle bit. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.